Welcome back, Hemming Brainiacs, for a little bit of Michael Drayton. And then we'll be going to be reading an interesting poet, Christopher Marlowe, who, they reckon, Shakespeare stole a lot of his work. There's some theories, at least. But Michael Drayton, very rhymy poems. Was the battle mentioned, this battle between England and France, was that the Hundred Years' War? Tep Griffith says, yes, it was that. Um, this battle is featured heavily in Shakespeare's Henry V. <clears throat> it was a gruesome fight on the muddy fields of Agincourt and was an unexpected English victory in the Hundred Years' War. TA131901 says, I'm not very interested in early English poetry. I can tell because we haven't seen you around for a while. But it's beginning to get interesting here. I really like Drayton's The Parting. It reminds me of a breakup song by Bob Dylan, but I can't remember which one. See if I can dig it up. Um, okay. Blood on the Tracks, by the way, is the one apparently we're thinking of. I'm not that familiar with Bob Dylan, to be honest. Um, but who else said they liked it? The Parting. Acoustic Eel says, The Parting is a lovely breakup poem. Sincere and with goodwill toward the partner. He comes right out and says it. Since there's no help, excepting the fact that they are over without trying to get them back, and suggests that the partner may again find love again with someone else. From death to life, though mightest him love yet recover. Uh, I found a beautiful contemplative setting by a modern American composer. Ah, cool, digging up the songs. Songs of separation, since there's no help. Find that on YouTube. There's something so lovely about a nice breakup, isn't there? You know, it's sad, obviously, uh, but there's a real poignancy when people can break up on the terms of like, this was good for both of us, uh, but um, not right, you know, whatever, whatever it is, but... We often think of breakups of like as like these kind of explosive things full of anger and hatred and, and whatnot. Um, but they're not always like that. And, you know, uh, it's cool to see them represented in art, in literature or poetry or whatever, um, rather than just going for the cliche, you know, throwing plates at each other. It's much easier to portray that. It's much harder to portray a civil breakup so that was cool um swim says i'm fishy says i was struck by the poem to the virginian voyage most likely because i am an aficionado of american history some background on the poem michael drayton never came to the new world in 1606 he wrote this ode to the virginian voyage in honor of sir walter Raleigh's first expedition to plant a permanent settlement of english people in north america the poem illustrates the culture of which the first southerners came and almost uncannily anticipates the south that was soon to be founded. It's a Horatian ode, meaning it is written in short, regular stanzas, as opposed to the Pindaric ode, whose stanzas are rather long and irregular. The poem begins with extolling the traveller's bravery, encouraging others to follow their suit. The poet predicts optimistically safe journey. When they arrive on Virginia's shore, they are going to see the land of plenty. The whole poem is written in the future tense, as it were, although Drayton actually uses a lot of imperatives. 
When you arrive at the coast of Virginia, give thanks to God and rejoice, he says. Then build an empire and be prosperous, and since there are many laurels growing, you may choose to make a crown of them for a poet. The poem ends with asking industrious Hakluit to record the voyages. Very cool. There's also an analysis on that previous poem we were talking about, the partying. The poem was not originally a standalone sonnet. It was the 61st poem in a sonnet sequence, Ideas Mirror, published in 1594, around the time that Shakespeare may have been composing his sonnets. This sequence of sonnets is about his attempts to woo a lady who was probably his patron's daughter, Anne Goodyear. Since there's no help, comes towards the end of the cycle, by which point Drayton has lost hope of ever winning his lady. This is clear from the argument in the sonnet, which he might summarise or paraphrase as follows. It's no good, so let's split up. Uh, I'm glad, actually. No, really, I am to be out of this relationship. Let's shake hands and forget everything we once promised each other, and when we meet in the future, let's agree not to show the other any sign that we still love one another. Now, as our love for each other dies forever, as we realise that we cannot entertain any further hope that we can make this work now if you wanted to, you could reawaken my dying love for you and bring it back to life. Very cool. Um, pretty. Yeah, that's nice. It's pretty. Now, today we're reading... Uh, what's his name? Christopher Marlowe, that's the one. Um, born 1564, died... 1593, a very young man. Um, unless you watch the movie Only Lovers, Lo- Only Lovers Left Alive, in which case you might be under the impression that he never did die, and instead became a vampire. This first poem is called The Passionate Shepherd to His Love, and probably, to be honest, maybe the first Marlowe I've ever read. So here we go. Come live with me and be my love, and we will all the pleasures prove that hills and valleys, dales and fields, or woods or steepy mountain yields. And we will sit upon the rocks and see the shepherds feed their flocks by shallow rivers to whose falls melodious birds sing madrigals. And I will make thee beds of roses and a thousand fragrant posies, a cap of flowers and a kirtle, Embroidered all with leaves of myrtle, a gown made of the finest wool, which from our pretty lambs we pull, fair lined slippers for the cold, with buckles of the purest gold, a belt of straw and ivy buds, with corporal clasps and amber studs, and if these pleasures may thee move, come live with me and be my love, love. The shepherd swains shall dance and sing, for thy delight may each may morning. If these delights thy mind may move, then live with me and be my love. (coughs) Her reply, written by Sir Walter Raleigh. If all the world and love were young and truth in every shepherd's tongue, these pretty pleasures might me move to live with thee and be thy love. But time drives flocks from field to fold, which rivers rage and rocks grow cold, and Philomel becometh dumb, the rest complains of cares to come. The flowers do fade, and wanton fields do wayward winter reckoning yields. A honey tongue, a heart of gold, 
is fancy spring, but sorrow is fall. Thy gowns, thy shoes, thy beds of roses, thy cap, thy kirtle, and thy posies, soon break, soon wither, soon forget, soon forgotten, in folly ripe, in reason rotten. Thy belt of straw and ivy buds, thy coral clasps and amber studs, all these in me no means can move to come to thee and be thy love. But could youth last and still love still breed, had joys no date nor age no need, then these delights my mind might move to live with thee and be thy love. Well, that's that. That is that. Um, cool. All right. That's a poem. Christopher Marlowe. Pretty good. Pretty good. I guess just two random poems or one two-part poem. It's not really enough to judge, but yeah. Cool. All right. Sorry, that's just spinning around in my head right now. Folks, thanks for listening. I'll see you tomorrow.